Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be reading from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. We're in a series we're calling Growing in Life Together, and we're, we're walking through the book of, uh, of Colossians. And um, we uh, had just been reflecting on Paul's instruction to this young church, this new community, as he calls them into growing uh, in their new life in Christ together. So we, this has sort of been the framework for us as we've moved throughout this season. And uh, today we're in chapter two, uh, and are going to consider a few things in uh, this interesting uh, if somewhat abstract passage of scripture. I, I was reading uh, this week uh, an article from a satirical, uh, a satirical sort of uh, website, news site, um, in, in the vein of like The Onion, uh, sort of poking fun at cultural trends. It will be obvious, I think, which sort of cultural space uh, this is poking fun at. But this was the headline of the article, That's So You, says friend, inadvertently shattering your entire self-perception. Right, so it uh, goes on to talk about, in a catastrophic blow to your ego, your friend Grace just said a piece of clothing was so you, which obviously made you question everything about who you are and what everyone thinks of you. Uh, the article goes on to say, I, I know, right, the, this is kind of speaking for the person, I know it was just an offhand remark and probably doesn't mean anything you told reporters, but I can't stop thinking about whether there's some truth to it. What if I've been wrong about what me is this whole time? What if I really am a pilling neon green tank top from 2014, right? Right, her friend, she says, she either intent- she's either intentionally trying to hurt me or she genuinely believes that lime green is the color that represents me the best. Either way, it's a lose-lose. Well, Grace went on to assure you that she made her initial statement without really thinking. You were already deep in a paranoid, self-destructive spiral, calling into question everything you ever believed about yourself. I'm at the point where I'm truly, truly questioning who I am at my very core. If this shirt is so me, then I've spent my entire existence being completely wrong about how the world sees me. Am I the human embodiment of fast fashion? Am I nothing more than a poorly executed trend here one day and gone the next? Is my mere existence harmful? A bit of satirical fun, right? That's so uh, you. But, but, but it pokes fun at a few things, but one of the things it pokes fun at is sort of our perception of ourselves 
and uh, what we think we're kind of presenting to the world and maybe what is the honest truth about uh, who we are. I, I think, uh, or I want to suggest to you this morning that, uh, uh, that, that the, the audience to whom Paul writes, this young church in Colossians, uh, in Colossae, as he instructs them into what it means to be Christians. It's all new, right? Uh, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has changed them, and, and they're trying to find their footing in their culture and in their time and in their history, and, and he's trying to help them know who they are, that perhaps they're in a similar situation this morning, right? And maybe like you or me. But to borrow the image from this satirical example, there are voices in this church's mind that would say to them, this is so you. Or it ought to be, right? This is so you. We hear a couple of streams in our reading this morning. Right out the gate, Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Right, So the word we would use for this sort of space in this moment would be like legalism, right? That on the one hand... On the one hand, there are voices in the lives of this new community saying to them, perhaps to you, religious observance is where it's at. This is so you, or it ought to be. And if not, well, then you're out, right? That the, 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 the excellence, the quality, the nature, the detail, the attention which you pay to the religious observance in your life, in this case, rooted, all of these things rooted in the kind of Old Testament history that would have been the context of, of this new experience of Jesus in their lives. In this moment, uh, Paul acknowledges there are voices saying to them, this is so you, or at least it ought to be. Right? Legalism on the one hand is where Paul starts. But it's not sort of where he stays, right? He, he makes another observation. There are other voices equally as present, I would suggest to you and me this morning, uh, that at the kind of maybe another end of this spectrum would be spirituality. That on the other hand, Paul seems to also say there are other voices in the life of this culture and in yours uh, asserting that the quality or nature of your sort of spiritual, mystical experience, if you have this sort of super spiritual experience, well then, this is so you or it ought to be. And if not, then, man, you're, you're out, right? You're, you're out. The, 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 we hear it in verse 18. So on the one hand, don't let anyone condemn you uh, in, with regard to, or judge you with regard to religious observance. But then he says in verse 18, also let, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on a detail about visions, puffed up without reason by this his sensuous mind. It's, it's this expression of uh, a kind of uh, super spiritual experience that would set this group apart and mark them as genuine, true. This is who you are or ought to be. Paul says, uh, you can hear it, right? This, there's a bit of this like, uh, you know, the, like, like the article, I've spent my entire existence being completely wrong about how the world sees me. Like, who, who am I in, in all of this? And, and you can feel this young community trying to remember or maintain who they are and they're feeling the pull. Well, maybe this is you as the lime green tank top comes out. It's, it's religious observance. Well, no, maybe this is you and it's, uh, I don't know, hot pink. I don't know what the color is, but and this sort of, you know, uh, deeply mystical or spiritual spiritual experience, these are the things that will qualify you as, as authentic in your experience of faith and your, your life, this new life in Christ. And Paul says, wait, 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 no, no, no way, stop. Uh, let's, in fact, Paul says, let, let's expose these for what they really are. 
uh, to this young church. In verse 17, he says of, uh, of the sort of religious observance on the, on the one hand, he's, he doesn't dismiss it outright. He says these are just shadows of things of which Christ is the substance. It's not that they don't have their place or that they aren't good, but these, he says, are, are shadows of the substance. Christ is the one who's made a difference in you. And then he goes on to say in verse 23, right, that wrapped up in this sort of expression of religious observance or kind of spiritual experience, that's this appearance of wisdom in verse 23, promoting a kind of self-made religion or asceticism, severity to the body. But then this interesting indictment, but, but these things are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In a sense, saying to them, in, in your life, this new life in Christ, whatever growth in this life looks like, these things are not where growth is found. These things aren't the mark of, I don't know, authenticity or genuineness in your story of, of faith. It's as if, to, to uh, lean a bit on N.T. Wright, a New Testament scholar writes eloquently about this passage that, that they're wrapped up in the question, who are you, right? That, there's, that Paul is addressing this. Is this you or is this you or this is where life is to be found in this new life? Like, this is where you grow. No, this is where you grow. This is how you know it's legit and real. And Paul says, no, no, it's, it's none of these things. It's neither of these things. Paul says here, it's Christ. It's Christ, it's belonging to him, alive with his life that makes the difference. The church, he says, this new community, you guys in Colossae, you and over in the park, you, you take your life from Christ himself. The, this kind of spiritual experiences are going to move you towards a kind of private, individual experience that will isolate you from others. And, and even in the sort of history of dietary laws and all these Old Testament, uh, in this moment, sort of shadows, Paul says, these things would, would distinguish or isolate you from the rest of the world. And Paul is, in a sense, saying here that uh, through Christ, God has worked uh, new life and brought these spaces together. Christ is, Christ is the source of growth for you, which brings him to the, what I think is sort of this beautiful moment in the center and heart of this passage. In verse 19, you could chase after these things. You could try on these clothes, if you will. You could perhaps consider that maybe this is who I am. Paul says, no, let me remind you that to chase these things is to, is to lose your grip on the head, verse 19, from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments and grows with the growth that is from God. That grows with the growth that is from God. And then in verse 20, if with Christ you died. This beautiful picture, right, that growth for Paul says it's not in either of these spaces, it's from God and, and specifically through your death with Christ. It's not puffed up or uh, religious observance or spiritual experience. No, no, he says, it's, these are not the things that qualify you. You were all dead he says, but Christ has made you alive. These things are shadows at best, puffed up sort of emptiness at worst. But you, he says, because of Christ, not because of the quality of your religious observance or the sort of uniqueness of your spiritual experience, because of Christ, you have been made alive. Turns out, he says, turns out, he says, it's, it's not so you. It's God. Growth comes from God through Christ. 
I, I wonder if maybe you've had that kind of experience, that moment where like you learn something about yourself that is sometimes occasionally uncomfortable, right? You, you thought you were moving in the world projecting one particular uh, perception and then you discover, oh wait, maybe that's not true. I had that moment recently. I was having a conversation with some friends and we were talking about the Enneagram and uh, we, uh, you know, I, I haven't taken the Enneagram for uh, all kinds of reasons. And I asked my friend, well, what number do you think I would be? And they gave me, I don't know, whatever number it was. And I was like, oh, why that number? Well, that number is headstrong. And I said, wait a minute, right? Wait a minute, I am not headstrong, and I will not be taking the Enneagram ever, right? Uh, it was this, this uncomfortable moment. It was a playful moment, a fun one, right? But where we have this moment where, like, ah, oh, maybe my perception of how I move through the world, this is who I am, is sort of exposed. And I think Paul does a bit of that here. He, he just kind of pulls back the curtain on, on all of that stuff. And, and prompts us to think about it. I, I, I think the image is hopeful for us, right? Uh, chances are, okay, like what, what relevance does maybe this conversation Paul is having that seems uniquely tied to this moment uh, in its context, what, what relevance does it have for you and for me? Where do you hear or find yourself in this conversation? Again, chances are you've probably resonated with that kind of experience. Wait, is this me? Is this who I am? Is this enough? Uh, those kinds of things. I mean, you probably haven't felt the pull toward the worship of angels or the worship with or among angels, right, that Paul talks about, this sort of like, maybe that hasn't been the nature. You haven't felt that pressure, nor have you felt the pull towards Old Testament dietary laws. That probably hasn't been your, uh, you know, that's not the shirt you're pulling off the rack, so to speak, right? But chances are you know the voices of judgment and disqualification, Maybe the voice has been yours in reference to others around us, right? We know that feeling. Is this us? What marks sort of authenticity? What, how, how do I know, right? Like, is this me? Is this me? Have I spent my entire existence being completely wrong about how the world sees me, about how I perceive myself, how God sees me? Have I been wrong? Is this me? I, I've been reading recently, I uh, just finished a little book called Low Anthropology. Uh, the author's name is David Zoll, and uh, he, he's, you know, he's arguing for a sort of lower expectation of, of humanity. It's not as dark as it sounds. He's like, when you lower the bar, the, the space for grace grows. It's a compelling um, uh, uh, read, uh, worth your time. But in it, he tells a story that during COVID, he, was, uh, he had never been a runner, and he was like, I, 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 uh, I did what I thought I would never do, and I signed up to, to run. I joined a group an outdoor running group, right? Some of you guys already are like, oh, I feel nauseous. That sounds terrible. But he's like, I'm going to go for it. And he described, you know, there were different things that they did. But one of the things they did was, you know, they had a track day. And uh, he's like, the track, track day was terrible because track day ex sort of exposed everyone for who they were, right? At the track, uh, things just sort of, you kind of got strung out, right? You, you had the guys who, uh, who were competitive, had run before, you know, and they'd probably run in JUCO or college or whatever and been running all their lives. And you'd get on the track, and the longer the run, the further strung out they'd get, they'd be way out front. He said, then you had the, then you had the folks, the men and the women who were like, uh, the guys who were like, uh, you know, they were in shape and maybe ran a little bit, but they, uh, you know, they ran, they, they were in shape enough to kind of push themselves and they would, you know, they'd get a little further ahead. And then he's like, then you had me and the rest of us that you know, sort of self-appointed the caboose, right? We weren't runners. We had never been. We had no business being out there. Uh, we were just in the back, right? And uh, he, he describes the feelings, like the longer the run, the more spread out you'd get, that in that space, in that moment of performance, uh, the door opened for uh, all kinds of um, feelings, right? 
right? Feelings that, that it was in this space that moments that you know, pride could creep in or scorn. The guys in the front sort of looking back at the folks way in the back. The guys in the back sort of scornfully with contempt thinking, man, the suckers in the front, right? When they fall, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to help them up, right? Like, you know, these negative sort of feelings of discouragement or scorn or, or pride, right? Playfully so, but described sort of in the moment of running, all of these feelings. You, you might could hear in that moment the question like, is this me, right? Or that will never be me, or that will never be me, or this will never be you, right? That, that feeling of like, who, who, where am I in this? Where do I fit in here? How do I know that I belong uh, here? But he notes something interesting in, in this observation he makes about that experience. That when the run was over, so in the moment of the run, you're like, you know, casting sidelong glances or thinking, wicked things about the people in front of you as you're picking your lungs up off the track, right? That, uh, that they said when it was all over and they were all together, it was just, it was all encouragement. Everybody was just slapping each other's back. Like it was, uh, because everyone was tired, right? Everyone had sort of reached to the end of what they had in the moment and all that was left was something they shared in common that they were all weak, tired, exhausted, right? This was high fives all around. And, and then he, he, he made this comment, which is what struck me. We were bonded in our fatigue, he said, whereas moments before we had been separated by our giftings, right? So, so we were brought together in where we were weak, but in our giftings we were, uh, you know, had been, had been separated, had been, you know, distinguished. I, I, I wonder if Paul, it, it feels like a similar move here. The language of being puffed up, all these kinds of things. It, it feels like a move where he says in this community, he's trying to guard them against. Like the temptation is you can pursue these things and you're going to get on that track and you're going to get strung out. And it'll be really easy for you uh, to judge the people in front of you or the people behind you or to feel judged by the people in front of you or the people behind you. And he's wanting to guard this community against that move. That tendency, he says, the world, he said, this is how the world runs. Success and strength and perfection puffed up. But Paul says, remember, you're dead. You are dead. Apart from Christ, you are dead. You have died with Christ. He makes you alive. Growth, he says, is from God. Right? Growth, he says, is from God. It's, it's, I think we do the same thing. We, we, it's a feeling we know, a tendency we can understand. Right? Maybe our markers are different. Maybe it's not the worship of angels or dietary laws, but man, we, we have our religious markers. We have them. We, we, we can identify the disciplines that set us apart or others apart. Spiritual experiences that authenticate, man, I'll never be like, or if only I could be like, or, or, uh, or, or like, oh, I'm glad I sort of have this area of my life under control, and, and, and consequently, I, I know I belong uh, here. We get caught up in these games, stretched out along the track. Someone always ahead of us, someone always behind us. A space and a moment ripe for judging, disqualifying ourselves or others. And you can hear Paul on the side of the track. He's blowing the whistle. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. No, wait, stop. It's not you. It's Christ. Growth is from God. All that stuff that you're focused on is shadows. It's puffed up. Shadows at best, puffed up at worst. It's not your pace that makes the difference. It's Christ. Trust him. Die with him, Paul says, and receive life. 
me take you back to that uh, clothes rack. I don't know if you guys are shoppers. You're like, I do it on Amazon. What's that? What's a clothes rack, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. Do, do, do you guys do that? Do you like rifle through? You're like, mm, I don't know about this one or this one. I don't know if that's the experience. But uh, if you can take you back to that moment of sort of like self-revelation uh, where you're exposed perhaps in a way that you didn't anticipate or haven't seen uh, yourself in uh, quite that way before. I, I feel like what Paul says in this moment to us as a church, to you, regardless of your faith and uh, where you are in that journey, is both a word of, of challenge and comfort. Right? It's a word of challenge and comfort, but that both of these words are words of grace. Right? Um, uh, we, were, uh, we went camping this week, and... Um, we, uh, we took the kids, you know, beautiful weather, went out and uh, had a great time. We, we, we had a great time, and uh, it was lovely. Um, got back yesterday, and uh, one of my daughters was uh, helping me sort of do a couple of things for the chili cook-off afterwards. So some of you guys are cooking chili. Some of our friends aren't here this morning because they're home mastering their chili recipes so that they can walk home with whatever the prize is this afternoon. Um, and uh, that's okay. We, we have grace for them here, right? Um, uh, but we were at home uh, pre- prepping. And one of the things she was doing was we had these cups with sand in them. We were writing numbers on them. So we could put them in front of the chili. Uh, people could vote with their, you know, you're going to vote and put your stick last year. All the cups blew over. So we're like, oh, we'll put sand in them this year, right? And my daughter was helping me number them. And uh, we were having a good time. My wife and my other daughter were away. And, uh, we, you know, we were laughing and playing. And she kept, she kept trying to be artistic. And she'd show me, I'm like, we don't know what that number is. That's too artistic, right? People can't see. I, we need to be clear in our communication. And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, preachers are so boring, right? Oh, right? I'd rather be headstrong, right? Like, preachers are so boring. And, and I wanted to say to her, I'm like, we literally... We literally came back from a camping trip where you stood on a bluff and looked down on an eagle soaring in the sky, right? Right? This this has been your experience with me, your boring preacher dad, right? This is not who I am. This is not who I am. And I wonder sometimes as you step into a community of faith, maybe you return to faith, maybe you have friends and neighbors, and we all probably have friends and neighbors who, who are reluctant to step back into or step into at all this kind of space because they, they know, they feel, man, I just people are just going to be like, either, either those people are way further down the track than me, that'll never be me, or they're like, they're just looking down on me because of where I am on the track. I, I don't know. Like, we, we know those feelings. We want to push back. This is not me. But I wonder if maybe to flip the illustration, Paul says, well, actually, yes, the lime green is totally you. In fact, it's far worse than you thought. But that's okay, because Christ, because, because of Christ, because growth is not from you. It's from God, because you have died with, with him. And so what that does to us in that moment, when I hear that I'm so boring, right? Or when you hear, right, is this me? And the word of the gospel comes at us with, with, the, with, with, with what begins perhaps as a word of challenge, Maybe you've been relying on merit, your own, the quality of your own sort of religious observance. Maybe it's spiritual experience for you. Maybe it's, it's, it's like conversations you have had or a neighbor, like, man, I'm a good guy, right? I, you know, I'm taking care of things. I'm a, I'm a good guy, right? That's, that's just another way of sort of resting on our kind of religious uh, merit. The challenge of the grace of God to us is this, oh, man, that's oh, worse than you think. 
right? Growth isn't from you. It's from Christ. Die with him and then know the growth that comes from God. But, but it's also a word of comfort. It's a word of comfort to you this morning and me, those of us that you know, perhaps, in your life and community who feel the emptiness of all of that effort in their lives, right? Who, who, who feel the weight of, I could never possibly measure up. I carry too much baggage or, man, I'm, I'm just too far behind on the track. That will never be me. It's a word of comfort to them that, that says, yep, maybe you're right, but that's okay because of Christ, because of Christ, because growth, growth is from God. And so my prayer for you and for me, for our community this morning is that like the church to whom Paul writes, where we will be enticed to trust religious observance or discipline or experience or all those things. Again, Paul doesn't dismiss all of them, right? That, that there are elements and ways in which they, they, they are present and a part of our community, but shadows, he says, of the substance and the substance is Christ, that we will be a church that grows in the growth that is from God. That when people come here, that when you come here, we would hear always both the challenge and the comfort of this passage. The gracious word of life to you in all of your effort or in all of your emptiness. Christ, you have died with Christ. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.